Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Regular. My name is Asan, and we are still holding down the fort in Brandon's absence. Uh, this is episode number two of the Brandon is on quarantine uh, a string of episodes we're doing here. But uh, I have challenged myself to do each episode uh, better and better until Brandon returns so that he has big shoes to fill when he gets back because he has no idea the kind of stress and pressure he's putting me on and putting me under by not being here. So hopefully uh, he's very, very spiteful when he returns. Uh, I'm trying to book uh, Ray J for next week's episode. We'll see if it pans out. Um, but this week I am joined by uh, none other than comedian uh, Carl Tart. Hello, Carl. Well, well, well. Finally having me on the show. Finally, is uh, this is Carl's first time, uh, but it hopefully won't be his last time. He promised that he was gonna uh, carry the show and be very funny, and uh, maybe even take my job. So we'll see. But Carl, we're thankful for having you on. Uh oh, you froze up on me. Oh, did I freeze up on you? Yeah, that's okay. It's all right. Last, what was the last thing you said? No, I just said uh, thank you for coming on the show. We're happy to have you. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> Good. All right. All right. Um, so this week uh, we are doing uh, you probably know by the name of the episode, but this week we're doing another sci fi review with Luke Galan, the science mon. Uh, we're going to get into a very interesting movie. We're going to have a really good talk. It's a very long movie, so I don't want to prolong it any further. Let me just introduce to you guys Luke Galan, the science mon. What up, Luke? What's up, man? How you doing, Carl? How are you, Dr. Luke? No, don't call me doctor. I don't have my doctorate. Uh, <laughs> but it's good to see you guys. It's good to, good to hear from you guys and good to be on here. Sweet. All right. So the movie <laughs> we are talking about this week is Interstellar by, uh, by Christopher Nolan, uh, director of the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, and I specifically, uh, we have Luke Galan on, obviously, because this is a very hard like sci-fi movie. But I specifically wanted to bring Carl onto this episode because Carl is a self-described not a movie guy, <laughs> and he doesn't he he tends to watch more TV shows than anything. Uh, but he's not a movie guy. But I thought, as we'll get into, this movie would be a perfect example of something to talk through uh, with Carl. Uh, because he's someone who's never seen this movie or probably anything like it. So he'll probably have some very uh, interesting perspectives on the stuff that we're talking about today. Carl, what's your background with sci-fi movies? Um, well, son, uh, I don't watch them. Uh, so basically, uh, I'm glad you asked, actually. Uh, I, me personally, me individually, me as a person, I don't necessarily watch those type of movies. Uh, however, I have seen the big ones. I've seen... Star Wars. Not sci-fi. Uh, I've, uh -huh. I've seen a few of those. That's not sci-fi? No. What is that, fantasy? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Luke, Luke why right. don't you break down the difference for Carl? Yeah, sci-fi has more like realistic science or something that could be real. But Star Wars has like space magic. It's basically Harry Potter, but instead of a castle, it's a giant egg in space. All right. Well, now, hey. have you, now Carl, have you seen Harry Potter? Uh, I saw the first one. I remember when it first came out, we read the book when I was in fifth grade and uh -huh. we then were implored by our teacher to go and watch the movie. And so I uh -huh. walk up to my teacher and I say, hey, Mr. Wong, that was my fifth grade teacher's name, uh -huh. Mr. Wong. And I say, hey, Mr. Wong, uh, just so you know, I'm not a movie guy. And uh, even, even back then, fifth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, if I'm going to the movies right now, uh, I'd rather see... I think Kung Fu Into the Fist was out or 
you know, <laughs> something like that. Uh, uh, original Kings of Comedy was out at that time, or something <laughs> like that. I was, I was, I was trying to see that type of stuff if I was going to go to the movies. But Mr. Wong was like, "Nah, go see Harry Potter. I'm sure you'll enjoy it." And uh, you know, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> but it was it, it's just not my thing sci-fi fantasy dr uh-huh. luke i i don't uh I, I just don't get out like that but okay. and, and i'm not judging anybody who does i actually wish i wish i got down like that i wish i i wish i because the people who have these conversations like now star wars fans get a little <laughs> get a little too much like some of them need their ass beat <laughs> a lot of them a lot of them need their ass beat uh, they've said some mean things to my friends and I don't like that uh, And but but other than that you know I, I uh, wait hold on I don't want you to just fly right by that <laughs> I mean if you because I, I happen to know for a fact uh, uh, Luke Galan has done some previous episodes with us and he's a pretty big Star Wars fan so why don't you, why don't you explain what you mean by some Star Wars fans need their ass beat <laughs> I uh, I have a friend. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the names. Um, okay. Uh, two just of my friends. Just, two of my, just first names. My friends. One of my friends, Nicole, and my other friend, Lauren. Uh-huh. They host a a Star Wars podcast uh, that um, they uh, they host it because they've never seen the movies, and so they were just like, "We're going to watch all these movies and bring people on to talk about it." And the way Nicole comes, Nicole is already in a a, a fairly abrasive person she has a strong personality you know what i mean mm-hmm. not always not always liked by certain people who tend to like our podcast mm-hmm. and um people can be very mean to her about the star wars podcast they they get very serious about the universe and they get very <laughs> serious about the films and about how mm-hmm. people talk about it and treat it as if dr luke just called it a fantasy as if they were real and yeah. they knew these right. people mm-hmm. now i liken it to being a sports fan well, uh-huh. you know, people make people make the joke of like, like the day that the Super Bowl is on, and they go like, "Oh, is the big sports ball game on today? Is the big <laughs> basket field goal on today, or something like that?" And it's right. like you know what the Super Bowl is like. Hockey that's just, ball match. Yeah, yeah. It's just like that's you. You know that that's not that. Like, right. but I, I wouldn't like call somebody like. I wouldn't say very bad things. I wouldn't call people out of their name for for doing that joke. I just wouldn't really engage with them. I wouldn't listen to their podcast. Right, it's kind <laughs> yeah. of a, it's kind of a hack joke. Yeah, it's a super hack joke. And yeah. I always I get on comedians all the time. I go, I don't care if you don't like sports. Everybody doesn't have to like sports. But if you make that joke, mm-hmm. if you make the sports ball joke, it's hack and it's not funny at all. And that's not a that's not an opinion thing. That's a fact. It's yeah. not, <laughs> it's not an opinion. It's not a it's not funny. It's hack, and you can't. Like you're a bad comedian if you make that joke. Like I, I'm not a I'm not a brain surgeon, but I couldn't get on Twitter and make the joke. Like, hmm, I guess there's a lot of surgeons going to the surgery store today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It just doesn't it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being here, Carl. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get into this crazy movie and uh, and uh, but I don't want to just limit it to Interstellar. I mean, Interstellar is going to be the launching point, no pun intended, for uh for a lot of the conversation. But uh, I, I brought you on, Carl, because you are a wealth of of personality and a wealth of inquiry and i any any science questions that you would want to ask a science expert we happen to have a science expert here today and we are going to get into it uh are you guys ready do it start the timer all right here we go luke alon the science mon uh let's get into interstellar so uh, real quick luke give me your you you are a man of physics that is your chosen uh discipline right 
All right. And this this movie is all about physics and astrophysics and, and all of that. And why don't you give uh, why don't you give for the benefit of me and Carl, uh, just so Carl knows where we are. Why don't you give uh, like a brief plot overview, like very, very vague, uh, not vague, but like very general overview of the plot of Interstellar. And then we can kind of go through it. Hey, everybody. Uh, at this point, we had a, um, a little bit of technical difficulty with some audio issues. Um, at this point in the podcast, um, Luke starts to dive into the uh, the explanation of the plot of Interstellar. He doesn't get too far before uh, Elon Musk and self-driving cars uh, are brought up. And um, uh, that eventually leads us to, to mentioning um, simulation theory about how uh, the theory that uh, some physicists have that we because we live in an infinite universe might be uh, living in some sort of simulated reality that's indistinguishable from regular reality. Uh, and uh, Luke along the science mon uh, does this very nice illustration for us to help us understand um, uh, some of the, some of the flaws in, uh, in sort of simulation theory um, where he says he doesn't believe in simulation theory because uh, if we were living in some kind of simulation, uh, the, the sheer amount of data that you would need to, to run such a simulation um, is pretty hard to come by. And thus, he said he likened it to a computer. He said, think about, uh, you know, when your computer runs out of data and needs to catch up, like it has to buffer or whatever. Uh, if, if our simulated reality had to buffer for even a moment, um, we would wake up or recognize some kind of flaw. Uh, to that, I responded by bringing up The Matrix, you know, a movie like The Matrix posits that, um, you know, we do see flaws in The Matrix all the time. We see uh, uh, anytime you see a vampire or a werewolf, werewolf or something outside of normal reality, that's like a glitch in The Matrix, the the simulation buffering. Uh, and then the last example I bring up is Deja Vu. And uh, Luke goes into this whole thing about Deja Vu and how you can test people for Deja Vu. Uh, and <laughs> he, he goes on this whole long diatribe about how the testing for deja vu is kind of redundant and circular and, and not effective. And, and, uh, he, he likens it to a lot of time people who are tested about seeing deja vu are conditioned to believe that it's real beforehand. Um, kind of like those, uh, picture books from elementary school where it'd be a, 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 a jumble of, of shapes and colors and you have to squint real hard to see between the lines, to see what the image is. And uh, once he's done with that beautiful scientific, you know, illustration, uh, Carl, in, 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 in weekly regular fashion, uh, brings it right on home to 80s softcore pornography. And that's where we pick up. I'd also like to take a second to shout out Brad, my uh, tattoo artist and best friend, um, Alex in Jersey, um, his brother Trey, his wife Christy, their two kids, Hart and Knox, uh, her best friend Caitlin, uh, and Steven and everyone else over at Foothill Tattoo. I should do that while I got the mic. All right, uh, back to the show. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hated those. I hated those when I was a kid because I could never see them. You're talking about uh, porn, softcore porn from the 80s. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. I hated that. Yeah. Like like when you had like a black box in your cable and like you would get to like channel 98 and it would be like it wouldn't come through all the way. Yeah. See, what yeah. you had to do with sound was continue to go back to that channel. I also grew up with illegal cable. Gotcha. Uh, in the 90s and 2000s, early 2000s, and if the, if you turn to the channel and it was fuzzy, you just keep trying to turn to that channel, and it'll eventually, like, catch, which is when the Matrix yeah. gets done with its buffer. 
Right. You see what I'm load. saying? It has yeah. to load. You get what nah, I'm saying? Nah, I'm, I'm picking All up right, what you're putting y'all. down. I, That's been it for the weekly regular. I, actually, uh, Carl, if you got Carl, if you actually if you have a few more minutes, I, I think we can get through the rest of this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, while we have you. Yeah. Um, I, I have a lot of deja vu, Dr. Luke. And it scares me every time because I feel like one day it's gonna be me getting hit by a car. And then a car is gonna come around the corner and smack that ass. See, what I think what I think deja vu is, I think deja vu is like, so there's there's some kind of like because we are like like wired to recognize our loved ones and people that are close to us, like when you see something that you know that sensation you get like when you recognize something, like, oh, that's my car, or oh, that's my wife, or whatever. Like, um, there's like some kind of like electrical signal fires in your brain some kind of like chemicals release where like you're like oh i recognize that there's some kind of reward system built in right i think deja vu is just that whatever that signal is misfiring so like you're seeing something and your brain is recognizing it is like oh i i recognize that and i get the reward of recognizing it even if you've never seen it before you know it's it's funny you say that because the the pivot point of this movie is that feeling whoa dang Of Interstellar is that feeling, right? You're right. There, yeah, see, we'll look, get there. That's why I got you. That's why I got you on the phone. All right, <laughs> Carl. Did you have anything else to say about Deja Vu? Deja Vu before we move on to the rest of the movie? Uh, no. Uh, it was a great song by Beyonce. That's true. <laughs> oh, and my favorite Beyonce song. Come on. Is Deja Vu your favorite Beyonce song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite Beyonce song is uh, "Cater to You," which is actually a Destiny's Child song. Yes, it's a great, that is a great show. song though. I think my favorite Beyonce song is uh, "Dangerously in Love" Part Two. Oh yeah, that was oh good. yeah, that's a great song. Ooh. I'm yeah. in love with you. You set me free. It's a good song. Yeah, she's I'm gonna like, call you right now. Be like, stop singing. I'm gonna watch well, that video. When we get if you had to pick call. your favorite Destiny's Child song that isn't catered to you, what would you pick? My favorite Destiny's Child song that isn't catered to you is uh, "Emotions," which is an original Bee Gees song. Is that really a BG song? Yeah, BG's and this woman named uh, she had like a name that you wouldn't believe was her name. Beyonce knows. Yeah, it was, it was like Beyonce <laughs> knows. Like emotions, BG's, Samantha Sang. Samantha, yeah. <laughs> no, like S A N G. Yeah, Samantha Sang. <laughs> like you better sing, Samantha. Right. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know the Destiny Child cover the BG's. Man, that's that's crazy. Um, Luke, do you have a favorite Destiny's Child song while we're on the topic? Uh, I used to love Bootylicious. <laughs> Bootylicious is a fun one. That one is, that's a, is a that's a nostalgia song for me. It's not yeah. my favorite, but it's like that's summer of seventh grade. Yeah, like, yeah, that and like the thong song. I was like, heck yeah! Don't know why I hate it now, Luke, but Luke, you, man. Were, you were in uh, you're from. Remind me of what what country you went to high school in? Uh, uh, here. <laughs> oh well, no. Okay, so when did you come here from Colombia? Right. Uh, from Argentina, Argentina, uh, Barcelona, man. Spain. <laughs> uh, I get, I came here uh, sometime in elementary. In elementary school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Luke, how old so, are you? I'm uh, thirty four. Oh, thirty four. Are you one of those 34. people who forgets their age, Luke? Yeah, my wife remembers. I, I don't know. He stopped All right, counting. We he get stopped it. You're married, after- Doctor Luke. <laughs> <laughs> right, we get it. Your life is perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, All Luke was right. out there un- unleashing the dragon. <laughs> That was a good album too. It was, was a good, good album. album. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, what's that? What was his ballad? What was the ballad off that album? Incomplete. Yeah. 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 My life is incomplete. Oh yeah. <laughs> Listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that, yeah. That one. Hey, you know what's uh, funny? One. Uh, so, 
Uh, I have it, the one. I don't use Twitter a lot. Uh, I'm not. I'm not as. Uh, I actually started using Twitter back today because I feel like I should just be more. Something in me told me I should be more active on Twitter. But uh, I was so I went to my Twitter. The one like DM message I have on Twitter that like I'll never delete because it, I cherish it because it's the one. It's crazy. It's the one DM I have on Twitter is from Cisco. Really? <laughs> yeah. What? I went to I went to WrestleMania uh, a couple <clears throat> years ago in. Um, where was I? Where was that? In Florida, in Orlando, Florida. And uh, it's funny. That was crazy because I, I ended up in the floor seat section at WrestleMania. And so I was with like all the like, but on the hard camera side, like so when in wrestling, there's like oh. the main camera and they put a lot of the famous people right next to the main mm. camera so they can get up and leave and come in late and not be seen on the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was in that section and I was sitting like in front of uh uh, like Hannibal Burris was like a row behind me. Wale was sitting in front of me. Like it was all these famous people. Right. And, uh, I, I posted a picture that I was at WrestleMania or something like that. And somehow like, uh, Cisco, uh, DM me back was like, man, this is dope or something like that. <laughs> like, like I'm like Cisco, Cisco's a wrestling fan. Cause I like, I took a picture, like I took a picture of Wale and then, uh, uh I just was posting about like my, my time at WrestleMania and Cisco's like, man, this is dope. Does he I'm follow like, you? Yeah. He follows me. Oh. <laughs> I have like 400 followers on Twitter, which if you're not adverse to Twitter, it's not a lot, uh, which if you're not familiar with Twitter, it's not a lot, but I have like 400 followers and one of them is Cisco. And uh, it was so funny because at the time, this was probably three or four years ago, I was like, he, he said, man, this is so dope. I'm DM'd him back. I was like, thanks, man. And if you ever need a DJ or a drummer in L.A., I'm your man. <laughs> and I never heard back from Cisco. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's my one uh, Twitter DM is from Cisco, the dragon. That's dope. That's pretty tight. But yeah, man. Well, that that concludes uh, uh, R and B hour with, uh, <laughs> with with Luke and Carl. Let's get back to Interstellar. Awesome. All right, y'all. That's, that's a great episode. Well, well, actually, Carl, we got to get back. We got to get back to Interstellar for just a few oh, more okay. minutes. I know okay, you got to okay, go, okay. but just a few more minutes. Okay, Luke. So uh, Earth is dying, and they decide we got to get to this new planet, right? Yep. So let me get to my notes so I can see. Okay, so. Uh, what's his name from Batman is in it. What's the old man from Batman? Alfred? My- Michael Caine. Michael Caine. He's yeah. talking. He's the, now the head of NASA, and he's talking to Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. He says, look, we need to get to this other planet and find a new planet to send life. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is like, how? All, none of our planets in our solar system can uh, can support life at, at currently, right, Luke? That's true, right? Correct. And so he says, but the nearest star system, the nearest star that we have close to us is like a thousand years away. I'm, I'm assuming that's true. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Light years. Right. So he says a thousand years away or whatever. He says, but what Matthew McConaughey doesn't know is that they've discovered a wormhole. Yes. And so please, for the sake of the audience, please describe what a wormhole is in a way that we can understand. Sure. A wormhole is a theoretical jump in space imagine uh how do i best describe it let's say you wanted to get to like i don't know um la to new york la to new york and 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 how could you do that you could drive there you could fly there you could take a train there if you says like you know 1950 or something uh i don't know but um if you had if you had the potential of having a wormhole it's basically like a portal 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they're theoretical. We know that they should be out there. We just have never been able to find one from where we are standing. So we cannot prove that they are actually real. But scientists do speculate that they are. So and then the, one of the scientists in the movie explains it that like it's like you took two points that are far apart from each other and then folded space time like on like on a flat piece of paper folded space yeah. time to where the points are right next to each other. Now is the only way that we <laughs> now is that the definition of a wormhole like is the only way to create a wormhole to like actually manipulate space time or is that just one of the theoretical ways to do it? Does that make sense? So there are other things you could do with space-time, like squash and stretch it, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's kind of like the, a wormhole is defined as a hole in space gotcha. that you can jump through. You know right. I mean? And so in this movie, the a wormhole that was seemingly – because they say that wormholes don't occur naturally. So this they assume that this wormhole was placed there by someone, right, for them to like travel through. Yeah, so we've never found one naturally occurring, and uh-huh. we don't really know of anything that could create one other than maybe a super, super duper massive black hole. But even then, probably not. Could black um, holes? Could black holes be wormholes? Uh, no, no, because no, the the energy that goes into a black hole is emitted back out in some form. It's called Hawking radiation uh, after it dies. So it's not the same thing. It does create a, a well of gravity. But um, you need a lot of energy to just jump over to the other side. Um, gotcha. There are other ways that cost a little bit less energy, but you know we can talk about those later. Gotcha. Dr. Okay. Luke, I, I want to talk to you something about, about these wormholes and stuff like this. So I'm an av geek. You know what that is? No. What is that? The person who re- is really in aviation. Oh, cool. Uh, commercial flight, to be exact. And oh. uh, there's these stories. There's all these these these. Uh, a Bermuda these. Triangle is not a wormhole, if that's what you're going to ask. Uh, well, uh, close. So a lot, of the, a lot of the planes that have flown over the Bermuda Triangle have been lost. Yes. Uh, but there are these stories, and they are unfounded. Not, not, uh, don't know if they're true or not. But right. the stories of planes taking off in like 1955 and landing in 1987. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Would that mean that those planes flew into a wormhole? And if so... Would wormholes be within the 38,000 foot range of commercial flight? No. uh, To create a wormhole, you have to warp space so much that the space around it becomes like super messed up to the point where like you if you had like a box and you stuck it next to a wormhole, it would like, you know, warp the box and stretch it and destroy it. So you can only pass straight through the center. Mm-hmm. So it, if there was a wormhole, you know, somewhere between, you know, the ground and 15,000 feet up in the air or whatever, um, you know, the earth would be, you know, kind of warped around it. So we'd have like a donut shaped earth, almost mm. like a cylinder around that wormhole. So explain why those planes took off in 1957 and landed in 1985. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question, Dr. Luke. So uh, some of those stories, uh, where was the first time you heard that story? Uh, Recently, I was watching some some videos on the the Douglas uh, DCA. Yeah, I I once uh, heard something from Dr. Chris White, who's a, uh, he's actually a theology professor, but he talked about um, what makes something more valid or more accurate to truth. Is not the dis- distance between when it happened and when it was written down, but the distance between when it happened, when it was written down, and when someone discovered that writing. 
So like these stories of planes taking off in 1950 and landing in 1987, no one wrote about it in 1987. They wrote it about it in 1995. You see yeah, what I'm saying? You're like, right. You're right. You know, unsolved mysteries came on the air, and then everyone was like, "I can make one of those." <laughs> yeah. If you know the whereabouts of the plane that took off in 1957, <laughs> there yeah. would definitely be an episode like that. Yeah. Um, Luke, have you ever watched uh, Beyond Belief Factor Fiction? Oh, yeah. <laughs> love it. I, I think that's a great show. Uh, I love those shows. Yeah. Like, some of those are really... I saw... Okay, let's just get into it. I want to ask you about this, because this is the one episode I always remember. So there's an episode where, like... Um, because it's funny that when, you know, the premise of the show is they show you like, I think it's like three short films that are like, kind of have some kind of sci-fi twist to them or some kind of like spooky, like horror twist to them. And like two of the stories are fake that they made up. And like one of the stories is real. Right. Uh, Or based on, based on some real story they've right. Uh, so one of the episodes I remember the, the story they claim was real was the story about a guy who, who worked at a flower shop. And he murdered his boss in 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 the flower shop, right? Did they and film a movie about it? <laughs> you said what? Did they film a movie about it and call it Little Shop of Horrors? Well, right, basically. So this guy murdered his boss in the flower shop, and then you know there was this whole investigation. At the end of the episode, uh, uh, they they attached one of the flowers to a polygraph machine, and the fl- and the flower like. <laughs> Like the flower told on him, basically, and basically, like basically showing that like there's some kind of like awareness of like their environment and something like that. But apparently, that was based on a true story. How plausible <laughs> does that sound, Luke Galan? I think the real fact was that they looked at a plant and it had blood on it, and they were like, "The plant doesn't lie." And then someone on TV was like, "What if?" <laughs> and they filmed the scene where a plant nods up and down, like yes. So there's yes, no he- way a plant could could like take a polygraph test. I mean, it's not sentient in that in that way. But what? Uh, so what is Missimo? <laughs> <laughs> we need some background singers, like in the movie. Where's Ba-da-da-da. Tisha Campbell? <laughs> um, all right. Well, well, let's just get back to the movie. So with these wormholes, right? They're they're like, okay, we've sent you know these astronauts through there to give us back information on the planets that are on the other side of this wormhole, and three of them look promising, and we're gonna try to go to all three of these planets. And Plan A is to send, uh, you know, send the information on the planet the planets back, uh, and then we'll try to build, we'll try to power this big giant spaceship, which we'll get to in a second, this big giant spaceship that will send most of humanity to the new planet. Plan B, if that doesn't work, is we've sent a bunch of unfertilized eggs with the crew to, for them to just repopulate or to start populating whatever planet they get to, right? So yeah. my, my question is, they say that plan A involves uh, Michael Caine solving a an equation for the manipulation or the harnessing of gravity. They don't really ever get too specific like what that is, but they because of the data that they've collected from this wormhole and the 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 gravitational anomalies as they say that they've been seeing, they theorize that there is a way to harness gravity and use it as like some kind of propulsion system or you use whatever with it. So my question to you is as a physicist is is there a theory? Because we know gravity exists in the form of a wave. We know that there's gravitational waves. <clears throat> are there currently theories about how you could maybe harness the forces of gravity? And like, are there equations trying to figure out how to do that? Or is this just completely fiction? So uh, there's two things that they have to solve to get everyone into space and then through that right. much space for that much amount of time. 
And that's uh, one, how do you uh, like get this thing off the ground? I guess it's three things. How do you get this giant spaceship off the ground? Unless you build it in space, I guess that solves that. Right, which would okay, have been so probably easier for them. But Yeah. The other thing is how do you create artificial gravity in space? Because people can't be in space for that long. They lose their muscles. So you need some kind of artificial gravity. And two, how do you power such a gigantic machine? The answer to both of those is actually relatively easy to figure out. And you can high school students in AP physics can figure it out. Uh Specifically, the AP physics class that you teach. No, I mean just in general. I mean the the getting that artificial gravity is just spin the thing. Uh, So if you ever been on one of those rides at like Six Flags or something where they you spin fast enough and you get stuck to the wall. Mm -hmm. Essentially, imagine that but bigger. And then as soon as you get stuck to the the wall, you just stand up and walk along it, and now it's the floor. And you call that artificial gravity. If it's bigger. That means it doesn't have to spin as fast, which means you don't get sick. And then, uh, you know, you can fit more people as well. And then getting it going through space is also super easy because it doesn't have to go far because there's a wormhole like, you know, six months away. So they just got to survive a year, basically. Uh, So, you know, just go slow. Who cares? It's space. Now, is there any... So spinning can can create the effects of gravity. Is there any way to create gravity that doesn't involve like spinning something? that we that we know of or any theories about it sure uh you would have to accelerate constantly Mm -hmm. so if you are accelerating and flat earth people if you're listening stop but also uh they have this theory that the earth is flat and the reason you're not a flat earther are you i am not okay i am a diamond earther okay what is that i believe that the earth is shaped like a diamond diamonds are forever exactly So you mm. think so? You think Rihanna was spitting facts when she said "shine bright like a diamond"? Like that no, was there was no. a deeper meaning to that. When Rihanna came out like that. She was basically that was an Earth Day anthem, right? Yeah. <laughs> within the Diamond Earth community. Yes. <laughs> okay. Rise how, up. Is it a strong community? How many of you are there? About thirty-six of us. Thirty-six. <laughs> exact okay. number. No. Thirty-six sided die. Thirty-six. All right. That 36 makes a lot of sense. Thirty-six sided diamond. And when you roll the thirty-six sided diamond. Whoever gets chosen has to buy lunch. Oh man! <laughs> All right, that man, that's a pretty, it's a pretty rock solid system. It doesn't seem like there'd be any deviations to that. I got chosen last week, but luckily, what did you get? Did I didn't you get, get We're on quarantine. Oh, okay. So you didn't have to like send a Postmates or anything? Nope. Got lucky, baby, because you don't get chosen again for another at least well, the probability. <laughs> Wait, what's the, what, is the, what is the probability spins? of getting? <laughs> What's the probability of getting chosen to to buy lunch two weeks at a time? I'm sure there's a, an equation we could do. Yeah, it's one in thirty six. One in thirty six. <laughs> but the odds reset every time, though. That's the problem. Yeah, so it's the same amount of odds every time. You get. It's just as likely to get technically just as likely to get, you know, on on a dice like five 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 as it is to get one two three four five six. It's. So you're saying craps is the best game to play in Vegas? I got you, Lou. I get you. I get you saying oh craps is great. Also, baccarat. What, oh what is baccarat? Uh, I don't know. Play, I, right? I haven't played it, but uh, I was on the craps table one time. I was like, "This is the best game at a casino. I'm winning so much money." And they go, "Nah, you baccarat is the best." Oh man. Well, that's why Bert took it as his last name. Oh wow. All right. So. <laughs> all right. So. So they're going to basically send uh, them through this wormhole to go find the planets. And that's when we get to yep. planet number one. 
So planet number one. So all three of these planets are instead of circling a star, they're circling a collapsed star, uh, presumably. But they're they're circling a, a a black hole, right? Yes. And this black hole is called Gargantua. Now is is now is it possible? Like so, we our Earth is is um, spinning around a sun, right? A star. Sure. Yeah. So and it provides us warmth and light and all of that. Um, is is would a would a, a black hole do the same thing? Like if Earth was orbiting a black hole of the same size, you know, with the same orbital pattern and stuff like that, would it be the same thing? I, I just don't I see mean, black holes as being something that shoot out light. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. Yeah. The only thing that would change, like, let's say we replace the sun with a black hole, the mm-hmm. only thing that would change would be that uh, we wouldn't have light, but we would still, if it's the same mass, same distance, we would still orbit just the same. It's not going to vacuum cleaners suck us in. It's just gotcha. not going to give us heat or light. So. You know, we got to figure that part out. But it looked like in the movie, like there was a black hole and it was eating a star or something because it was all the planets were lit. You you see what I'm saying? Like that makes sense. Yeah. It it had to be eating something. So maybe it was a binary star system or something. Okay, so let's let's get to planet number one. So we get to planet number one, Carl. Uh, Planet number one is uh, is all water from what they can tell. Like there's obviously a surface because they stand on it, but like that surface is submerged with water. And when they get there, the water is like kind of knee high, like waist high water. And then they're like, oh, look, there's mountains over there uh, in the distance. So like, oh, okay. But they're like, well, the mountains are moving away from us. How is that possible? Well, because they realize that the wa- the mountains are not mountains, that they're actually waves. And because they're moving away from them, they know that behind them, there's more probably Wait, bigger yeah. waves behind them. <laughs> right? <laughs> about to get drowned exactly yep. exactly so luke is is it possible for a planet that is all water to exist like that the earth sure. or the, the cup, yeah. like the surface is 100 percent water i mean i think there's a core and like a crust because they stand on stuff but yeah. it's covered 100 percent in water i mean europa one of the moons of uh i think it's saturn uh it's 100 percent water underneath a ice crust so it has like a thin layer shell of ice, and then under that is all just water. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's okay. a crust, there's a core, like there's solid stuff down there somewhere. But gotcha. now, you know, could, yeah, now, sure. now, Carl, have you seen the film Waterworld? Yeah, no, but I've been on the attraction a bunch of times at Universal Studios. Very okay. cool. Uh, now, now, Luke, are you familiar with that attraction and/or the movie? Both, yes. Okay, now how plausible is that? Assuming so, let's say Interstellar <clears throat> was only a forty-five minute movie, and they had to stay at the first planet with all the yeah. water. Could they set up a civilization there? I mean, with those waves, no. No, no. they probably oh, okay, couldn't. Okay, assuming there were no the waves, of mountains, right? And it's probably all across right, the were. whole planet, right? Yeah, yeah, or you know, continents, you know. Hmm, that's wow. true. So, like, so say there weren't waves, could they have set up a civilization? Like, do you think humans could survive on an all-water planet? If you uh, so to get all of humanity off Earth, you need to build a ship so big. We we don't have enough iron or steel or any metal in the planet. If we combine all our metals, mm-hmm. it's still not enough to build a ship big enough to transport everybody. So let's say you did somehow find all that metal and built that ship. If you just land that ship right then and there, and then deconstruct it slowly, yeah, you can build a an entire civilization like. Kind of like Attack on Titan, if you've ever seen that show. Like a giant mega city for the whole world to live in. Or like Judge Dredd, if you've seen that or read Oh, that. I've seen Judge Dredd. I know what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, dope movie, yeah. All right. So 
they something goes wrong and they they realize that it's waves too late and uh they have to they come they get washed out by one of the waves uh, they lose one of the crew members um and it and because of that so we didn't get into the relativity part i want to get into the relativity part so before they go to this planet they say all right because this planet is circling so close to this black hole that the time the time experience on this planet is going to be like for every hour on this planet it's like 7 years passing uh, on earth. So like, like language, like uh, at like an intellectual level, like I understand, but like, help me really understand what that means because relativity is still kind of lost on me. Uh, what is general relativity? So general relativity and, and then, uh, there's also, um, specific relativity, which is, uh, other type general relativity is the idea that, uh, Time and space and length can all be warped by excessive gravity or by excessive mass and the presence of that mass on a space-time continuum. Dr. So, Luke, what are you talking about? <laughs> so imagine, okay, so imagine, you, you, you know, if you have a fishing net, right? Mm-hmm. It's, got like, it's got like horizontal and vertical lines, right? Mm-hmm. And if you drop like a giant, I don't know, a carp or some fish on it, it, it bends the net according to its weight. The heavier the fish, the more it sinks the net. Mm-hmm. Um, that net is called space-time. And the heavier the mass that sits on it, the more it bends. The degree of bending, like how, how much bend you get, tells you how much time and length, and like distance, is displaced, is like warped. So a black hole is heavy and bends the space-time, the net of the universe a lot around it so everything that kind of surrounds it is kind of stretched out to accommodate that bending I, and it I also it. moves at different i get it i think i get it luke so if you imagine like a like a string right like laid out flat like yeah a, like a string yeah and then you put like a uh, like a bowling ball on top of the string right yeah so to get from one side of the bowling ball to the other side of the bowling ball let's just say it's 12 inches right yep uh, the the quickest way between two points is a straight line. So, like, say it takes you one hour to get from the side A of the bowling ball to side B, right? Yeah. If you allow the bowling ball to rest all its weight on the on the string, that it would make the string dip, right? Yeah, make like, a U. Yeah. Right, it would make a U. So, if you <clears> imagine <throat> like you're driving a car along that string to get from side A to side B, would take longer if you went around the outside, like around the string. But it would be the same amount of distance. Yes. Yeah, it's called oh, displacement. Displacement. That's so crazy. Think about think about where, where you guys are sitting right now and where your bathroom is. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh-huh. You have to get up out of your seat and move around things like the coffee table or the kitchen table, your computer, your desk, move around chairs to get to the bathroom. But yeah. if you cleared all that out of the way and just walked in a straight line to the bathroom, that displacement, that distance is the same. But the actual distance you walk is different. Damn, that's how gra- a re- relativity kind of works. It works between those two. And I'd have to get up and walk all the way to the Mongolian wing, which is not <laughs> is that, where my current, it's not where that, my office is. Is that, the far, is that the far east side of your house? Yeah, my office is in the Greek wing. The Greek wing. Very nice. <laughs> My bathroom is in the Mongolian wing. Okay. The bathroom that I use. Gotcha. <laughs> um, have you ever used? Have you ever had Mongolian barbecue and then used that bathroom? 
Of course. Is that how it got? Is that how it got the name? And that, my friend, is called living. <laughs> that's the height of living. <laughs> Mongolian barbecue and using oh, the bathroom. That's you, go, far away. you go to the mall. You go to the mall and get some Mongolian barbecue. Yeah, and then you use that, your bathroom in your Mongolian way. Where you get to pick out, uh, you you stuff that bowl full of frozen food, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they take they spray hit it with that water. Yep. <laughs> Have you ever had Mongolian lab. barbecue, Luke? Yeah, I love it, man. Oh man, the good stuff, not the you know. Oh, what is the good stuff? Like when you go to like an actual Mongolian restaurant. Oh no, we go to the mall, Luke. You gotta go to the mall, Luke. Uh, it's it's called like Mr. Mongols or some racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how no, you know it's good. It's like the Mongoloids, Mongoloids, <laughs> Mongolian barbecue. Yeah. Man, terrible. Um, okay, I dang Luke, I have a, I've had an epiphany and I finally understand relativity. That's crazy. Sweet, sweet. Because I know we've talked about this uh, a lot. Right. Now hold, now, hold on, Luke. I am smart now. Don't do that to the people. No, I'm not. No, no, no. Of course. Of course. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. So, Dr. Luke, honestly, I don't know how many times we got to tell him. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you bearing with me, Carl. I know your time is short. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, no, I wasn't wrapping up. I'm just saying oh, okay. I know your time is short, so we're going to be considerate of it. But if you could please stick around. Uh, so... So they get they spend more time on the planet than they want to because they're they have to get all the water out of the ship before they can take off. Yep. And it ends up taking them in in Earth time, 20 years, even though it was like a couple hours for them on this planet. Yeah. So they get back to the ship and the one scientist uh, who's also happens to be the one black dude in the movie uh, <laughs> who who stayed on Earth time in the ship uh, has experienced 20 something years since they left. That's crazy. He's he got gray, but. He outlived that one scientist that like drowned in that giant wave. Right. I, he's like, man, at least I was chilling for 20 years and not drowning. <laughs> so uh, this this brings me to a question about hypersleep, uh, Luke, because I, uh, hypersleep is a thing that they just kind of gloss over in this movie, but it does exist in this movie. Um, so the, there's yeah. a there's a there's an issue with human beings in, in space travel where space travel, even at the speed of light. Uh, can take a long time to get from one place to another place. So, uh, and we don't have a lot of resources to wait. Uh, and the human lifespan just isn't that long. So, one of the answers to that that people have always theorized uh, in in uh, science fiction is that there's something called hypersleep or some kind of sleep that can mm-hmm. put you out uh, for a long, long time without you experiencing any aging. Yeah. Now, is there are there any theories currently like for some kind of form of hypersleep? Uh. If no, I mean Walt Disney might know something, but no, we don't. You think Walt Disney's still alive somewhere? Uh, or frozen? You think Walt he's cryog- Dis- cryogenically frozen? Yeah, like a Walt Disney sickle. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but no. Uh, there's there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing. That's probably the least scientific thing in the whole movie. There's there's no way to actually stop the eight. You know, stop the processes that happen naturally without some kind mm-hmm. of therapy, like gene therapy or something like that. So, if a machine were to constantly pump you full of like brand new DNA and assist your, you know, your your coding in the DNA of the of your cells, then maybe it can help you live longer. Uh-huh. But I don't know if that's the same thing as what they're talking about, which is like you're asleep. And- is that what aging is like? copying dna yeah so uh aging happens because your dna basically your your cells make copies of themselves every couple minutes because they only live for a few minutes then every couple minutes they die you know so every time they make a copy they have to like copy paste and when they paste 
uh, every time they do so, the glue that they use, I'm just using like analogy, right? Like, oh, the glue is not the technical term? No, it's it's actually like, you know, there, there's coating and there's proteins and all these things. But just to, to keep it simple, basically mm-hmm. it's like, imagine taking, uh, you know, two pieces of paper, gluing them together, and then unsticking them and gluing them together and unsticking them. And every time you do that, you're creating a brand new like cell a brand new thing mm-hmm. eventually that glue is going to run out right the process of that glue slowly becoming run out is called aging mm. so that's what kills you is not that you're like you're you're old it's that the glue that holds your cells together wears out so your cells have to reproduce faster which means they wear out faster and then the glue wears out even faster and eventually it just decays off until you die this- so if we could stop that then we can like put a pin on not getting older not growing, but, aging. but on, but aging, the process of your body falling apart. Gotcha. That is what I wanted to ask you, Dr. Luke. Okay, so I really would love one day, like, I would say, like, I'm 31 now. So I figure another 20 years or so when I'm about 50, when I'm 19, 20 years, I'm 50 years old, right? And then something happens where I take a pill or something where that glue stops break it down yeah and i just lived the rest of my life as a 50 year old man gray beard track suits you know can't move like i used to but still get down you know what i'm saying yeah uh, you think about like think about like old old animals they don't typically break down the same way as old humans old humans tend to have a myriad of issues old animals domesticated dogs tend to have a lot of issues because we feed them specific foods and such but wild animals tend to kind of live until they die right like an old lion will like go chase things until it's too slow to chase things and it dies it doesn't die because it has like you know oh man my liver my liver failure and like (laughs) diabetes you know like that's not right it doesn't get gout yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right boy you damn roadrunner i'd chase you down if i'd had his gout I gotta be off my car for six to eight weeks. It's an old lion in the tracksuit. Yeah. I don't get down no. like I used to. <laughs> it goes by some soccer players. Like, let me see that thing, y'all. Let me see. I tell y'all how I used to get out. Let me let see me, that thing real quick. Let me get a shot. Yeah. <laughs> let me see that thing real quick. <laughs> that is funny. All right. So it is. So theoretically, we could figure out a way to stop the aging process or slow it down yeah but but it's not the same as cryo sleep or it's like it would have to be some kind of therapy you do yearly or monthly or something right Right. like let me ask you this dr Mm -hmm. luke do you think that the that the government is stopping any type of stuff like that because overpopulation would occur so much that we wouldn't have any space for people people would still die they would Ah, die of old age they just wouldn't wouldn't deteriorate wouldn't deteriorate so they'd be healthy so it wouldn't be the government it'd be like big pharmaceutical companies holding it back if it was true but this has only recently been discovered in the scientific community and so i don't even know you know i'm not a big believer in like conspiracies like i think when three smart people get together they can't agree on anything so Getting a hundred pharmaceutical geniuses together to plot out the destruction of the world sounds impossible. Mm. All right. Now, do you okay. think Michael Jordan had his father killed? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's a good question. That's these are the questions that the world want to know. 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm go ahead and say no. After no. you've been watching The Last Dance, uh, everything that you know about Michael Jordan, gambling wise and things like that, yeah. do you think that he had a part in his father's death? No, no. All no. right. I, I don't. You. I don't really. I don't really buy into documentaries because they tend to have like a narrative voice. So I don't think they're impartial. Stuff Good like that. You. The documentary is not saying he did this. This is me. This is- <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> this is called do you, do you, editorial. You think he did uh, it? Uh, do I think he did it? Do I think he yeah. has something to do with it? I mean, for my for most of my life, I think he had something to do with it because he was such a such a a well known gambling addict. You know. Mm. But who am I to say? That's probably yeah. rude if his if his dad was not. You know. Do you gamble? Do I gamble? Oh yeah, yeah. it gets down. Your dad? Yeah. How's your dad? My dad's cool, but I don't gamble that time. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just checking. Uh, Luke, Luke, do you uh, do you think do you think Carol Baskin uh, killed her husband? Oh God. Uh, you know she was really specific. And, you know, God, you'd have to like, you know, chop his nose off to fit it into this meat grinder. But then they they interviewed her <laughs> after, and she was like, you know, that that's image of the meat grinder that they show. That's that stock footage. It's not even hers. She's like, this is my meat grinder. I don't know what people are talking about. And it's like this tiny thing. And it's like, all right, well, she went out. And get, she ordered that meat grinder on Amazon. Yeah, she killed Dude. the Amazon director. That's so what she did. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, maybe she did though. For real, like that's a lot of money. But hey, she killed that dude, man. That's crazy. All right, so they get back. So Planet One is a bust. It's all water, and they they obviously can't live there. Uh, and then there's a moment on the ship where they have to decide they don't have enough fuel to get to um, both of the remaining planets. They can go to one planet and then go home, or they can go to the other planet and then go home. Um, so they're trying to decide which planet they're going to go to, and Anne Hathaway, who's also in this movie, gives a speech about wanting to go to uh, the planet she chose because her boyfriend is there. Yep. And then she gives this whole speech about how love, um, basically I'm paraphrasing, but she says, love is irrational enough to take us across the universe for someone that we love who might even be dead. Maybe we should just trust love. Now, as a scientist, were you just like triggered by this? Uh, it was, uh, it came out of left field a little bit because Mm -hmm. the idea that like, you're going to base the future of all humanity on, I really want to see my boyfriend is, uh, (laughs) kind of upsetting, but the, also the notion, like we talked about earlier with deja vu, the notion that there is something in us that like innately recognizes certain things Mm -hmm. and attests to them when we don't even recognize them physically yet. Like something mm, in us says, that's, that's mine, right? Until you, some, you get a good look at it and you go, oh yeah, that is mine or that is my car or uh, which one is my wife in a crowd of people with brown hair and it's like, that's that's her over there. I haven't even seen her face yet. I only see a bunch of hair in a crowd, but I know which one it is because of some sensation. Has that been is that, studied? Is that, what you, no, is that what you said to your wife when you first met her? Uh, no, uh, no. <laughs> That's not how you bagged her. You didn't, you didn't throw that down to her. Like, look, there's a force in the universe. And oh, sometimes God. you just, you just know it when you see it. <laughs> you didn't see, that's not what I heard that Dr. Luke said to his wife. <laughs> oh God. I heard that Dr. Luke said, listen, the bright lights, fancy restaurants, <laughs> everything in this world that a man could want. 
He had, a shirt, he had a shirt open. Yeah. yeah just... Got a bank account bigger than the ocean lies. Still, I'm lonely now. That's a wild song. That, that you just got it memorized, man. That's good. Of course, I got it. Dr. Luke. Are you kidding? Of course, I got it memorized. What else am I going to do? That's cool. I have everything. <laughs> what else am I going to do? I'm going I'm to I'm listen to it and then forget it. Deja vu. A Cisco no. song? Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's watching us on. All right. So that, yeah, he is watching. I'm sure he listens to this podcast every week. My number one fan. Um, okay. So they decide to, so uh, Matthew McConaughey is not convinced by her love speech. So they decide to go to the planet that uh, they've been getting the most amount of, uh, of info from, uh, which is Dr. Man, M-A-N-N. You see what they're doing there? Uh, doc, Dr. Man's planet. You have something to say about that, Luke? No, that, I thought that was very subtle. <laughs> are you joking of course come on yeah it was pretty on the nose uh so they go to dr man his planet uh and they get there and it, this is the planet that's been you know the most information it's, it's supposed to be this perfect planet and then when they get there it's like a ball of ice and they're like what the hell so then they land um and they unthaw dr man and he's played by none other than matt damon dun 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 matt damon um right then i knew he was going to be the bad guy when i first watched this movie <laughs> Cause like you don't you don't add Matt Damon to the third act of your movie for him to just be another good guy. Um, so they add Matt Damon uh, to the movie in like the end of the second act, and he's he he you know he tells him about how oh you know this planet is amazing and blah 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 and we can really start life here. Um, all to figure out he's lied to them and basically sent fake data back to them that the planet was good so that they would come there and pick him up because he he couldn't handle the 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 loneliness and and basically he has like a case of space madness and so he wants to carry on the mission and go to the third planet but he knew that uh unless he sent a signal saying that his planet was good too they wouldn't pick him up uh in the first place right is that a fair assessment of where we're at Yes, he also at this point reveals the main plan instead of the secondary right, plan. Right. So there so Carl so for the benefit of the audience and and those who haven't seen the movie, there they they learn at this point that there never was a plan A to bring the rest of humanity. The only plan there ever was was to send this group of astronauts and all the unfertilized eggs to the new planet and everyone else on earth would just die and they would start a new planet, which is devastating to Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway because they would have never gone on the mission had they known that reality. Uh, Matthew McConaughey wouldn't have left his young kids behind. Um, yeah. Which is crazy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this sounds like I would hate this movie. <laughs> you, you probably you probably would hate this movie, to be honest. Uh, you'd probably be very upset. Uh, you would probably hate the Matt Damon character because he just he likes to monologue and... <laughs> And he monologues to Matthew McConaughey as he's like trying to kill him for like ten minutes. It's actually very funny. Yeah, I'm a big Matthew, I'm a big Matthew McConaughey fan. Yeah, are That's you a Matt? Guy. Are you a Matt Damon fan? Not really, not necessarily. No. Oh, okay. He's been funny in a couple things, but I'm a real Matthew McConaughey. What? what <laughs> what's your favorite Matthew McConaughey performance? Oh man, him and those Lincoln commercials, boy, that boy be getting it in. <laughs> That's your favorite. <laughs> is there is there a is there a category at the Academy Awards for commercial acting? There is not, but there, there should be. There should be, right? Mm-hmm. Flo should have had a couple Oscars. She yeah, should have had an EGOT. Yeah. If not uh, the Oscars, then maybe the Emmys because it's on TV. Yeah. 
I feel like there should be a commercial. There should be a commercial acting war, commercial directing, commercial writing. This is this is what this this is what this podcast is all about, really. Yep. To be honest. Yep. Um, Jennifer Garner should have won some of those. I mean, she's been doing commercials. She, she did like travel insurance commercials, travel agency commercials. It's like, oh, sweetie, oh no. Yeah, you, <laughs> most people don't know this, but uh, the Expedia elf—that's Jennifer Garner. <laughs> most people don't know that, but she's she's got range. Um, okay, so they're like, so Matthew McConaughey and Matt Damon fight it out. Um, and he gets on one of their ships to go back to the main ship and he's going to leave them behind because he knows that he's in trouble for, you know, trying to kill them. Basically, uh, he tries to dock his, his craft onto the main spaceship and doesn't know how to do it and blows himself up trying to do it. Yep. And, uh, they get on the ship and try to repair the damage and then they decide, all right, we have one shot at this to, uh, basically their plan is they realize they can't go home, but what they're going to try to do is get to the third planet by instead of just trying to fly away from the black hole because they don't have enough fuel for that, they're going to fall as close to the black hole as possible, slingshot around the black hole, and that will propel them to uh, the third planet. That is that is the plan, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, they realize that that would mean that time is going to speed up way a lot for them. And, you know, they're going to, you know, all the people on earth that they know will be dead, but at least they will have completed the mission. Uh, it turns out Matthew McConaughey, um, basically tricked, um, Anne Hathaway into doing it uh, by telling her, we'll both be able to get out of here, but he's sacrificing himself and saying, you know, there's not enough fuel or, or stuff or resources for two people, just one. So he detaches at the last minute, uh, sends Anne Hathaway on her journey to the third planet while he plummets toward the the black hole. Yep. Right. And he lands in 1987. <laughs> exactly. He lands in 1987. He, there's a, he's wearing a tracksuit. There's a lion there <laughs> playing soccer. Uh, it's, it's a whole the whole world is upside down. Um <laughs> Right, Luke. So that I have, I'm, I'm, I'm right on track. Right, you're on track, man. All right. So this is where the movie gets kind of interesting. So they, uh, they two hours in, by the right, way. Right, two hours in. So Matthew McConaughey falls uh, into the uh, the black hole, and he gets to the middle of the black hole, and at the middle of the black hole, there is. You want to explain this, Luke? Because I think I'm gonna mess it up. Yeah, there's space and time, or the fabric of space and time, the net that we explained mm -hmm. earlier is has tessellated mm -hmm. it has like woven into itself so past present and future is presented before uh matthew mcconaughey so he could see events in in the past see events unfolding now and see events in the future and he uses that information to kind of like direct his daughter to build a ship and get everyone off earth and go to the right planet in the past so that they will already be there in the present and future. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, and what he, what he theorizes is that the structure, the, like the, the structure that he's able to do this through must have been put there <laughs> by whoever put the black hole or put the, um, the, the wormhole there too. Right. Yeah. So my question to you is this, I have two questions. One, are the people so are we to believe that the people who uh, put the structure there for him and put the wormhole there for him all out are like their humanity, but in the future? And then the second part of that question is, how <laughs> if that is humanity from the future, 
how do they how are they there if Matthew McConaughey Matthew McConaughey hasn't done what he needs to do for them to be there yet? That those are my two questions. So I think the only way to answer that would be to kind of go into like parallel timelines mm-hmm. where there is a timeline where humanity escaped anyway. Mm-hmm. Like they built a ship and got out. Mm-hmm. And there's a timeline where Matthew McConaughey had to go and go through this whole process. Mm-hmm. So the timeline wasn't split in Matthew McConaughey's time is actually split further on. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, so imagine like the time, you know, in Back to the Future where the timeline splits as soon as they get to the past and one of them grabs the almanac or whatever. Well, here mm-hmm. it's uh, when they get, you know, when humanity has survived and they build the Tesseract, which is what that is. Um, that is a time when the timeline has split. Do they use it? Do they not use it? And if they choose to use it, Matthew McConaughey's whole thing is the way they get there. And if they choose not to, they got there through normal means. Gotcha. It's convoluted and it's typical Nolan fanfare. Right. But the the, the takeaway is that what, what would you say is like the takeaway like theme of like what he's trying to do with the last scene, like with the bookshelf and and, and all of that and you know matthew mcconaughey being the the ghost as what's her name put it or being the force that led because he was <clears throat> i mean we're to i mean based on that see that scene we're to believe that matthew mcconaughey that ghost that the daughter was interacting with in the beginning of the movie was actually matthew mcconaughey yeah uh, yeah so, so w- what do you think is the theme that they're driving home I, th- I think the theme they're driving home is that uh you know there are forces like gravity friction you know, electric forces, all that. But there is this force of love that we recognize in in our in our being, in our in our soul, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end, I think Matthew McConaughey realizes that this is a legitimate force, and his daughter is recognizing it. But because Matthew McConaughey wasn't looking at this ghost in that way, or at this apparition in that way, he could not recognize that 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 force so he couldn't you know see it but his daughter sees it as a genuine force in the universe Mm. and then runs with it so he's kind of proving the the whole speech that Anne hathaway gives i think that's really the crux of the movie and that's deep carl have you ever been in love uh yeah i had a girlfriend okay uh and uh well let me let me let me not even talk about it in that way let's just say uh um i really love the show family guy Okay. And the day that the day that Seth MacFarlane or Fox chooses to pull it, it's gonna be hard for me. It's gonna be tough. Do you think you would tra- um, would you travel across space and time and travel across the universe to save Family Guy? If I had to, if you had, to. I would definitely do it. If, if I someone had to. if someone put that task on you, <laughs> if someone put that task on me, if there was no other way, if I couldn't just write a letter to the network, if I couldn't just you know talk to Seth and maybe be like, hey, man, uh, you should consider bringing this show back. It was really good. Or at least let me get some DVDs. Do you think, do you think, Carl, that, you know, once the show is off the air and it's been Mm -hmm. off the air for some time, Mm -hmm. eventually you're going to bump into a show. And do you think you will find a show? Well, let's say, let's say you find a show Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a cartoon. Do you think it's possible that you will look at this cartoon and say, this cartoon was inspired by Family Guy? 100%. Even, even though the, the producers might never admit it. Yeah, no, 
then that's the theory that Anne Hathaway has, which is that there is this recognition of love that transcends even things that we don't accept or don't state out loud. Damn, Doctor Luke, you're preaching. <gasps> Doctor Luke, you just laid us. You just laid it on us, and uh, you know that was. I thank you for doing that because I haven't been listening the past 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> This movie is so boring. Everything, everything, everything about it seems boring. Maybe I'm, I hey, listen. This is just me. I don't. I'm not criticizing anybody for enjoying this film. I'm not. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have liked it. That you are an idiot for liking it. That you are a boring person per se. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am feels like that's exactly is, what you're saying. I'm you not just saying stated it, so. that you're a piece of dog shit. For liking this movie, I'm oh, not on, saying on. that. Right. I'm not saying that. Did you two like this movie? I, I like the movie. Did you like it, Luke? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I, I didn't think it was a, a home run, but I thought it was pretty good. Pretty good is a good praise. Pretty That's good true. is like when I say something is pretty good. Like people, hey, how how did that uh how did that uh, macaroni and cheese that you made turn out? Oh, I thought it was pretty good. Like, it depends on what inflection you say with it. Yeah, yeah. That's true, like, too. Are you saying are you saying it like ah, I, I thought it was pretty good? Or are you saying that ah, was pretty good? Or are you saying it was pretty good? Right. <laughs> no, no, I'll go with the first one, the apologetic. I I thought it was pretty good, but could be better. Okay. Could be better is a huge diss. <laughs> uh, so I I'm personally offended. It's usually when you say could be better, that means that you have an idea on how to make it better. No, not necessarily. So like, when I like see like a comedy sketch or something, I go, well, it could be better. I'm ready to, for them to be like, well, how would you make it better? Motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how movie executives talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah people don't know this, but, uh, but Hollywood is a very, a very street tough type of place. <laughs> well, what would you do? You son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh. I think uh, I think if they really wanted uh, some, I don't know. To me, there was a part of the movie that kind of just went off the rails, and that was the part with because we we skipped over it for this whole thing. But back Wait, on you Earth, trying to say I'm a bad host, Luke? No, 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 no. Because well, we're focused on the part that matters. But okay, there's a yeah. whole section of the movie dedicated to like the sun. And like his problems with his family. Oh yeah, you and mean like his like not the like you not the star of the sun, but you mean like uh, Matt Matthew McConaughey's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever his name is, like his but, name is Tom. He, yeah, yeah, Tom Nook. So he's uh, <clears throat> he's in he's in the movie, and he slowly becomes like abusive, I guess, towards his family or yeah. like a shut in. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't care about any of this. Let's go, let's go back to space. I want to figure out like what are they going to do next? They're yeah, stuck but, in like some see, crazy Luke, place. But see, Luke, he Tom em, embodies like mankind's like inability to let go of the things that they're used to. You know. But then why does Mister Doctor Man, who is the embodiment of man, give the speech about letting go? Because if that's true. Because this this movie is all about um, it's all about uh, in the same way that like a wormhole is one one side of space time and the the op and the, the other side of yeah. a wormhole is the opposite side. This movie is all about like opposites. It's people doing the same things but for different reasons. That's why when you see Matthew Mc- when you see uh, 
when you see uh you have man who's like uh dr man who's like supposedly be like the he's the greatest of us and then you have the same man like character doing the worst thing and then you see like matthew mcconaughey is or like the the crew his crew is like willing to sacrifice everything to save other people or whatever and then you see matthew mcconaughey's daughter on earth is willing to burn down their farm in order to save the uh, you know tom's wife and son who are sick like it's all about people who are like you know seeing yeah, yeah. the polar opposites it's all about that i i, I kind of get that but i just felt like that whole aspect um took away from the movie in some sense like because they they did that sort of the same thing with the the professor Michael Caine's character, mm-hmm. where you know he admits that he gave up. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I gave up years ago trying to figure out this solution. There is no solution. I'm out. Right. And I'm dying. Goodbye. Everyone's dying. Uh, but mm-hmm. then he tells her not to give up. Right. And he's like, "Don't give up. Let's let's move forward. Never give up. If... Never surrender." Yeah. And then they they do that poem, the "Don't go quietly into the night." Man, do they? They yeah. say they, they say that poem like ten times, and it's spectacular. And and again, that's the theme of the movie. Like there is something beyond the night for us to push up against, right? There is something that we can recognize to help give us strength to fight for. I get it, but to go uh, loudly into the night. Who's there? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Ah, ah. It's now, me. When you don't want to say when you, when you walk into a when you walk into a. Uh, a dark place and you don't know what's going on you hear something and instead of being like hey you go ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and you make a noise try don't to scare go, don't go quietly on. you gotta go That's, loudly don't go quietly you gotta go loudly so Michael Caine's last words right there in the movie ah <laughs> right before he dies <laughs> yeah <laughs> feeling, ah. Feeling around. Ah, ah. <laughs> I thought to me to me that that whole aspect of the movie was like a little bit less carefully crafted compared mm-hmm. to the rest of the movie so that yeah, to me kind of, but that's the only part that I think is kind of, uh, that, I everything think that's else is the, That's the criticism for most Chris, Chris, uh, Christopher Nolan movies is he's great with like the hard, like sort of like cold sci-fi stuff or like whatever the cold, like mechanics are of the movie. But like, he's not really good with like the warm center of like human emotion. No, <laughs> he's not good. I think this movie was his thesis. Like, is there such a thing as emotion? Right. He was basically he sought to answer that question. Yeah. And he said yes, but in a cold, detached way. In the in the coldness of space, yes, I guess. Yeah. Well man, I think we made it to the end of Interstellar. That is crazy. Uh do you have any other thoughts about the movie, Luke, before I toss it over to Carl? Uh yeah. So the NASA worked with uh, in the movie producers to create the image of the black hole, which mm-hmm. is now being used to study uh potential black holes and the potential for space warping. Uh, there's also like really uh, yeah they're also working on like um, uh, methods of like space travel using squashing and stretching technology instead mm-hmm. of like wormholes because who knows when, when we'll be able to build or find one or whatever I know with all this COVID going on yeah man yeah, we could be shut down for at least another two or three months so that, yeah. that throws any scientific research out the door yeah there could be a dust bowl outside right now none of us know that's true <laughs> I haven't been outside in six weeks Oh man! But it's yeah, crazy. so yeah, it's a uh, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. All right, Carl. Any final thoughts about Interstellar or any science questions you want to throw at Doctor Luke before we sign off? Doctor Luke, have you ever seen a kernel of corn actually pop into popcorn? Yeah, my wife made that like today. Nice. I get it. You like on the stove. Wife, right. We uh-huh. get it. You have we a great life. <laughs> what is the what causes that? 
the heat makes this what causes that yeah so there's there's like juices and stuff inside the kernel right plus the oil plus the oil on the pan the oil is just there mm-hmm. as a catalyst to help heat it up when you heat something up it basically needs more room for the molecules to move around they're bouncing around a lot mm-hmm. when you're hot that's just like your atoms bouncing around really quickly and they want to get rid of that energy and so since they're encased in this kind of like hard shell and they want to get rid of that energy they'll push against that hard shell until suddenly they get rid of all the energy look at that Hmm. no further questions dear donor (laughs) the the defense rests topical (laughs) all right um yeah well i man i think i've i've gotten all my interstellar questions out um luke where can people find you on the internet uh, they can go to Instagram and find art by Luke Galan. It's not really a science. It's I do a lot of like comic strips because uh, uh, things are funny. <laughs> I don't know. Do you do you do you have you ever oh, do you wait. sell your artwork? You drew that Obama one that was no, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> the whole image. Uh, do you sell your art, Luke? Uh, at at the moment, I'm not really doing sales or anything. I'm just doing the comic, but I used to. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. And Carl Tart, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me in St. Louis smoking on dubs. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, I'm on Instagram at Dammit Carl D A M M I T C A R L, and that is all things social. Find me on those two things. You can also listen to my podcast called The Flagrant Ones. Uh, it's released every Thursday uh, on Patreon, so you got to spin that bread, baby. <laughs> Feed me, Seymour. Feed me. Uh, but join us. We talk uh, basketball. We have a good time. Great. And you can find me uh, on all over social media at Asan the DJ. That's at A-H-S-O-H-N the DJ or my website at Asan.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast and more at uh, theweeklyregular.com or at weeklyregular on social media. Uh, to Carl Tart and uh, Luke Alon the Science Mon, I thank you guys for joining me. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for having us. All right. We'll catch you guys soon. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 